Welcome to Bible and Bourbon with Pastor Ben. Today we are going to be studying Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, the baptism of Jesus. Our prayer request this week comes from Alicia. She was hospitalized last week with severe dehydration. She seems to be doing better and hopefully will be released as soon as this podcast airs, but she could still use our prayers. Today, I'm going to be drinking bourbon and Coke with Rebel Yell as my bourbon. Rebel Yell isn't the fanciest bourbon around by any stretch. However, I remember fondly drinking it one night with a close friend. It was in seminary, and he was an army medic before he was called into ministry, and we were writing a paper on the baptism of Jesus. And as we discussed the theological points behind Jesus' baptism, we sat out on his deck and had a glass of Rebel Yell. So, I found it fitting to pour myself a glass of it today, even though now I prefer Rebel Yell with Coke. Matthew, chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented, and as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. A voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Our scripture reading for this week is fairly short. But just because it's short doesn't mean it doesn't have a lot of content, or a lot doesn't happen in it. First, as I mentioned last week, this was the moment that began Jesus' ministry. While Jesus was set apart and chosen earlier in the gospel, he didn't make any decisions of his own. We heard about his earthly parents, from angels and wise men, and even John the Baptist. But today is the first time that Jesus takes an active role in his own story. And it's an interesting one. Because why would Jesus, a sinless man, the Son of God, need to be baptized? Now, this is a question that our scripture directly addresses. John tries to deter Jesus from being baptized, but Jesus is insistent. And frankly, I think John has a pretty good point here. If Jesus was to come back to us today, I would not expect myself to baptize him. I would sure hope he would baptize me. In fact, for the Jews that did not convert to Christianity, they thought it was somewhat a fault that Jesus was baptized by John. They thought that the fact that John baptized Jesus symbolized that John was greater than Jesus, not the other way around. Now, obviously, as Christians, we know that John was not greater than Jesus, 
John was merely the forerunner, as we talked about last week. But still, why would Jesus need to be baptized? As Christians, we are baptized into the death and resurrection of Christ. We die with Christ in the water and are brought out of it into a resurrection of a new life. But none of that had happened yet when Jesus was baptized here in the Jordan River. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And the death and resurrection, well, they happen at the end. So what was the reasoning, then, behind the baptism? Why is this moment so significant that God himself foreordained it to be the beginning of his son's ministry? Well, I don't think you'll be surprised that there's a lot of debate upon this very issue. People wonder why Jesus would need to be baptized, particularly since we are baptized into Jesus in our own lives. And I think this debate is important because baptism is central to our Christian faith. So, if Jesus decided that his ministry should start with a baptism, then we should figure out what Christ's baptism meant for himself and what it means for us. But I don't think there's a simple answer to this question, or do I think there should be? In fact, I think there might be several answers to this one question. The first answer is quite obvious. It's the one that Jesus replies to John with. Jesus replies, it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. The Greek word righteousness here, in its original Greek, primarily refers to divine righteousness. It's not righteousness of a human, but the righteousness of God. So, for Jesus' understanding, this is done for God's divine righteousness. Which brings up a few more questions. If Jesus is the Son of God, God's own, the Word made flesh, then why would Jesus need to do anything for God's righteousness? Because Jesus' mere existence was righteous. But ours wasn't. And maybe the righteousness he was talking about wasn't so much the righteousness of Jesus, but the righteousness of of us. Through baptism, Jesus became wholly identified, not just with his godly aspects, but also with the human aspects of being the Son of God, made flesh. He was already perfect in the eyes of the Lord, but we, as humans, we need an advocate working to justify our righteousness. We, today, through our baptism, find that advocate in Jesus. And by going through this step, Jesus became wholly identified with us in righteousness. Jesus was identified with the sinful nature of humans. So, while Christ had no need to repent, you and I do. With his baptism, Jesus became like us. And I like that. I like seeing the baptism of Christ as a way that Jesus can be more like us. 
Perfect, yes. Different, yes. The Son of God, yes. But still one of us. However, I do think we should take a moment to look at some of the other ways that people have seen the baptism. In the first, second, and third centuries, those years directly after Christ's resurrection and death, there was a fairly popular school of thought called adoptionism. For people who followed this teaching, Jesus was not born the Christ and did not exist in the beginning of creation, but that Jesus was simply born a mortal man and then at the moment of his baptism, most often, was adopted as his son. Now, this view of Jesus' baptism fell out of favor drastically in the 4th and 5th century, and it was later condemned as heresy. But there are more people who are beginning to accept this viewpoint once again. Particularly, they point to the lack of agency that Jesus had before his baptism. Jesus didn't seem like the Son of God. He seemed like just a boy. But I think in particular, this denies certain aspects of the birth narrative in Matthew and Luke, and particularly the first chapter in the Gospel of John, where Jesus is described as the Word with God in the beginning. So I can see why some people might be drawn to this view, but I don't think it quite holds up. However, adoptionism isn't just focused on the adoption of Christ by God. It also has to do with the Trinity. And the idea of the Trinity can be a bit of a confusing one, with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as one unit with three distinct parts. It's often described as a three-leaf clover, with each leaf being separate, but them coming together to make one clover. And while most Christians today do accept the Trinity, it wasn't necessarily accepted universally after Christ's death in that first, second, and third centuries. And there really aren't many scriptures that address the Trinity itself, and even less that go into the exact interworkings or the relationships between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And one of the central views of adoptionists is that each member of the Trinity came for a certain period of time to have interactions with humans. Adoptionists believe that in the Old Testament, the Father was present, while in the Gospels, it was Jesus, and then finally in the book of Acts, to our current period, we interact with the Holy Spirit. They believe that they don't all interact with humans at the same time, time, but instead that each one comes for just its preordained period. And while this view did die out in the 4th and 5th century, it's starting to come back today, particularly within different groups of Christians in the United States, people who see Jesus' time as the time of the Gospels, and now that we live into the time of the Holy Ghost— and that Jesus will come later, but we can't have a relationship with him right now. And while there are a few scriptures that talk about the relationships between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, 
The scripture we read today does. In fact, the baptism is one of the most clear examples of the Trinity working together. Often in this podcast, we talk about how the Gospels were written for different audiences, and how the Gospels tell the same truth, but they present it in different ways. If you read something in the Gospel of John, you might find it a bit different than the Gospel of Matthew. It's not that either is wrong, they just present it to a different audience to show different aspects of the truth. However, the baptism, particularly concerning the moment in which Jesus is baptized, is strikingly similar in all four Gospels, with the dove descending from heaven and the Father calling out to his Son. This moment is universal. And it's important, because it means that the Gospels are telling us that the Son, the Father, and the Holy Ghost were present at the same time. They were present in the exact same moment, working together. They did not come in a series. They were all there at Jesus' baptism, working as one. And this reinforces the reasons why Jesus had to be baptized. We talked earlier about how it was for the identification of Jesus with humanity, that the righteousness of God was fulfilled because Jesus became like a man. But also, it was for us to identify Jesus as part of the universal trinity, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, working together as one. In this short passage, we get these two big points. Jesus fulfilled the righteousness of God by being baptized and identifying himself with us as humans. He didn't need to be baptized for his own righteousness. He did it to become like one of us. Two, we see in the dove descending from heaven and the Father calling out to Jesus the connection of the Holy Spirit with him and with the Father, all working for the exact same goal. They are unified in one body with three distinct parts. I know this episode has been a bit different than ones in the past. It's been much more theologically focused than historical or personal. But I think it's important for us to do that occasionally, particularly in passages like this one, where these theological themes are put in the forefront. There's an old revivalist called Dwight L. Moody. You may have heard of him. He was a layman who went and preached to different places in the U.S. and Great Britain. He was once asked by a critical listener about his theology, and Moody replied, My theology, I didn't know I had one. And while that might be a bit of a funny response, it's not quite true, because we all have theology. 
we all have some way we see our God. Our scripture leads us to theological points, whether we think about them or not. And it's important sometimes to truly think about them. What is the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Why did Jesus need to be baptized? In order for us to be good and thoughtful Christians, we need to have some sort of answer to these questions. Because for me, it benefits my faith to know that Jesus was willingly identified with us as sinful humans because he loved us. And it's empowering to know that the Father and the Holy Spirit were there with him in that decision. A perfect and glorious God, willingly made like us. And I can't think of a better way for Jesus to start his ministry than for Jesus to join with the rest of the Trinity and show his love for us and start that ministry which became our guiding star. Next week, we're going to continue to talk about Jesus' ministry, as we will for the rest of the Gospel of Matthew. As always, thank you for joining me. If you have any questions over the material or any prayer request, please email me at bible.bourbon at gmail.com. Additionally, if you do drink, please do so responsibly. While it is true that Jesus drank wine, an occasional glass is different than an addiction. If you need help, please seek it. If you need help but don't know where to look, please reach out to me and I'll be happy to guide you. Blessings, everyone.